0: Hi everyone, it's Father Alex, host of the Godcast podcast. This is a one-off podcast that's hosted by myself, which is recorded just by myself, and um, I've entitled it from Argos to Abba Father. I've been ordained now for nearly six years as I record this podcast in the spring of 2021. It appears we are slowly making our way out of another lockdown, And heading for the uncertainty of living without restrictions, but still living with guidelines. Things we can do, places we can go, people we can meet, unsure if we're doing as we're told and following the rules. I've been fortunate enough to have had both my vaccinations now by the popular but controversial supplier AstraZeneca. I never thought the word Astra would apply to anything other than a family saloon vehicle by Vauxhall Motors never mind a drug that might save my life. Whilst being fortunate enough to have had the vaccine, I've been less fortunate because it was too late to stop me contracting COVID-19 just after Christmas last year. It left me feeling pretty grim, stuck at home and in a world full of dourness and uncertainty. And as my family will testify, because I tell everyone, I still have little taste or smell and get uh, these heady drifts in and out of occasional fuzziness that frustrate me enormously. More time at home has meant more thinking time, which is not always good. It's not a good thing for an individual like me who is a born worrier and often an overthinker and a person that during COVID-19 has become somewhat introverted and rather removed from an easy-go-lucky extrovert than I think I once was. At this moment in time, I am uncertain if and when the taste and smell may return, never mind my desire, my desire to be jovial or throw a party. This time has made me reflect on so many things, I can't help reflecting on the joy and enthusiasm I had on my day of being ordained deacon in 2015 at Blackburn Cathedral. It was a glorious day and the sun was shining. All my closest friends were present. My family were all proudly looking on as the bishop laid his hands on me and ordained me into holy orders. It was truly a wonderful day. At the service were two other families, two significant families of contrast. There was a healthy gathering of people from the parish church of St. Matthew the Apostle with Holy Trinity Eves, where I where I was about to become the new curate. Little did I know at that time that some years later I would go on to become the vicar, The other family that was with me at the cathedral was my Argos family, a significant number of store managers past and present, junior managers, store colleagues and some former bosses to ensure I behaved myself. Since then I must be honest that I rarely have I missed working at Argos. The The job I did for just short of 20 years, first starting as a junior manager in Accrington but before becoming the gaffer in Rochdale and Manchester, Ancoats, then Huddersfield, Blackburn, before spending my final years before ordination in my hometown of Burnley. To be more precise, it wasn't the job I disliked, it was the workload. I rather enjoyed the job, but even in 2015, shops were battling hard against the magnitude of internet shopping. Great businesses like Woolworths, CNA and TJ Hughes, who did a great breakfast, incidentally, by the way, had all been consigned to the high street graveyard. The job was good, but the work was significant. Never enough hours in the day, never time to do things with excellence as budgets were slashed almost week by week, which had an impact on staff morale, including my own. But despite the work, I continue to work with a smile on my face as I knew my future was going to be rather different if by God's grace I would be ordained in the summer of 2015, and I was. But what I do miss very much is the Argos family, some who still now frequent the Emporium where Bill Murray described it as the laminated book of joy once laid. Well, sadly, I think the laminated book of joy is no more and it's more a touchpad of delight via the latest technology. But some of the old colleague faces still remain and continue to work hard in the Argos world, which is now owned by supermarket giant Sainsbury's. The Argos family I got to know is probably best described as authentic, real, earthy, rude, crude, funny, caring, competitive, motivated and hardworking. All the things I associated with myself really. Some of the stories and exploits exploits I couldn't possibly share with you, but these experiences I hold very dear and often withdraw them from my Argos memory bank. I have no idea what it is like now, but in my day I loved being part of a big team, working together with colleagues who became mates for a company that despite the challenges was successful and that rewarded me well for my work. I loved being part of a team. I loved the free lunches at the distribution centre where we had our management meetings until the recession kicked in and we were lucky to get a tea or a coffee. I loved the camaraderie, the banter, which was sometimes crass and cutting. And I loved the trust some of us placed in one another during the highs and lows of being at the helm of an Argos superstore. I felt very much part of the team and I felt highly valued when I left wonderful gifts and cards, amazing words of kindness, and above all, memories of laughing and laughing and laughing with my old buddies in retail. And then I was ordained. I was the new boy in town, very naive and a very nervous curate as well. After stumbling through a very long degree and an interesting training period, I had finally arrived at the point of being ordained, dog collar around my neck, shiny black cassock and shoes a lovely new home a new adventure was about to commence as a curate i was attached to a training group of recently ordained people and we would meet periodically to learn together share fellowship pray together and enjoy a meal or two it was all very civilized very pleasant and delightfully middle class i really enjoyed the gatherings but always felt a little bit uncomfortable as someone who had the family background and financial stability to be middle-class, I sadly have carried a chip on my shoulder for many years about my own self-worth. School was a torrid time for me. I hated studying, and I left school with no qualifications and started work full-time at just 15 years old, where I used to deliver wash machines and televisions for curries. Don't get me wrong, I am very proud of my degree in practical theology, but the learning was incredibly difficult. The essays were not a wrench to engage with. I did not like studying. I do not like studying now. But studying is a little bit different from learning. I love learning so the practical stuff I learned during curacy was far more enriching and enjoyable than studying. There is very little of my degree that has impacted my daily ministry although I'm sure academics will be cursing at me as they may hear or watch this podcast. When I was appointed vicar at St. Matthew's, the bishop said to me, this will be your most difficult transition. Far more difficult than being ordained deacon, far more difficult than being ordained priest. Becoming a vicar is going to be very difficult. And in the words of Kendall, by Jove, he wasn't wrong. I enjoy my job. I feel I've worked very hard to repay my calling to ordain ministry, and I remain totally devoted to the God I serve and the parish church of St. Matthew's. However, I do struggle with my job and the church sometimes, as I'm sure most Christians do. I struggle with our differences. I struggle with the fact that the church isn't one big happy family. I struggle that I think the bishop was right. Being a vicar can be lonely. It can be a very lonely place. I've had more calls from my past life than my present life. And as I survey the digital world, I experience many dreadfully unpleasant remarks and indifferences to me from my brothers and sisters because I hold a different view to some of them. There are so many things I despise about the secular world. The exploitation of Christmas, for example, by my previous employers and other retailers The ignorance and cruelness of the media that only desire skullduggery and scandal to come out of the church, rather than to convey the great work so many churches are doing. The inaccurate depiction that all Christians are homophobic drives me utterly crackers on a frequent basis. But there is also a sadness in me. There is so much of an Argos world that could enhance the church. Let's be honest, Argos is not middle class. It is not associated with cucumber sandwiches on the lawn and Sunday Night Evensong. It's more Breville than Bang & It's more Russell Hobbs than Russell Watson. But that said, I think there is a wonderful lesson to be learnt from the church by Argos as I once knew it. Because it was the most wonderful, diverse organisation, it had a bit of everything. Colleagues from every background and religion from Christians to Muslims, Jews to Hindus, gay people, straight people, trans people. There was the most incredible variety in its work, people, and its choice of goods. There was pretty much something for everyone. If you wanted simple and affordable, they had it. If you wanted middle of the road, they had it. And if you wanted something a bit OTT, they had it. But the difference between them and the church is was that it was all in one place. So maybe the church could learn a lot from this model. It shouldn't always be or necessarily be what the vicar wants, he or she gets. I happen to dwell in a strange place of a liberal, Catholic, charismatic position. To those in the church that will delight some, it will infuriate others and it will confuse many more. And to people on the outside of the church, it probably means completely nothing. Perhaps the church should be encouraged to think about what it offers before it offers what it thinks. I'm bored of living in love and faith debate already. My position is clear. I have no desire to ram it down people's throats to the point of abject disdain. And I certainly don't want to hear stuff I equally found unpleasant spinning around in my head where there is so much to do as the church considers a future of growth or a future of palliative ministry the church has to be brave and bold it has to be honest and radical in fact it has to be utterly radical and of course there will be there those with their heads in the sand who will dismiss much of my thoughts as absolute nonsense But my instinct is that they will minister to a building with no congregation. Arrogant ministers who put preservation of tradition above calling to serve the poor and feed the homeless is high stakes and very risky. The critical academic will ask me maybe where is the theological or biblical argument for more Argos type models. It's tricky to provide because Argos only started in 1973 but through the recession and covid 19 it continues to prosper the church has been longer been around much longer than Argos so indeed what do i know except i do know like many retailers the church is in deep water in very strange times and it must swim very quickly or it will sink You've been listening to The Godcast, and my name is Father Alex. Goodbye.